Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It's that season again. No, not the holidays. I mean election season. Perhaps you've been bombarded by TV, radio, and other ads dissing opposing candidates, outrageous statements, and bad graphics because they've become the norm for a few months until mid-November. The 2022 midterm elections have a lot of impact, from a governor's race here in Illinois to union workers' rights and more. There's a lot at stake for our state and nationally. At the top, do you know where to vote? What is your polling place? Or if you aren't registered, how do you go about it? First, if you aren't registered, you can typically do so online, if it's early enough in the cycle at least. But since it's on November 8th, in-person registration is the only way to go thanks to grace period registration and because Illinois does offer same-day voter registration. You can find out more on how to dot vote or visit your state's voter registration site. Okay, so what's next? Currently, you have three different options to submit your ballot. You can do so through early voting, mail-in, or on election day. To find out where you can early vote or to vote day of, you can go to your state's voting site and search for polling places. But before you get to the ballot box, it's important to do some research, aside from those consistent ads you've been seeing between your midday TV routine to know what issues candidates stand for. In this episode, we want to give you an audio voter guide and overview of the important issues for the 2022 midterm elections. I'm Lizzie Baumgartner. For Stephen Maynard Caliendo, the Dean of College of Arts and Science and Political Science Professor at North Central College in, in Naperville, Illinois, he says voter turnout will differ from the 2020 election. I'll be interested to see what those percentages look like and how they differ uh, from 2020 when we were in the midst of the pandemic. And as you say, most people, many, many people didn't feel comfortable going uh, to the polls and standing online to vote. I think that the vote by mail worked well in Illinois. I think it worked well in most places in 2020. We got to remember that it, it was new to us, but it wasn't new. Uh, states like Oregon, for instance, had been voting by mail for many, many years. And so uh, there were systems already in place. Even though many people have been skeptical about voting by mail, there's no real data showing any discrepancies. The Brennan Center for Justice seminal report on voter fraud reviewed elections that have been studied for voter fraud and found that the rates were between 
0.0003 and 0.0025%. The report noted, quote, an American will be struck by lightning more than he would impersonate another voter at the polls, end quote. And according to a study from Townsend University, mail-in voting is secure and does not jeopardize the safety of the U.S. election process. In fact, mail-in voting increases voter access and reduces the likelihood of adversarial interference. I think what didn't go as well was the perception or our expectations. Um, in some states, uh, they're willing to count mail-in ballots as they arrive. Um, and therefore, it's a lot quicker to do the tabulation on election night to add them. Other states don't allow those ballots to be counted to, to open or counted until election day, until the evening of election day, which means that it takes longer to count them and we may not find out till the day after. So I think some of the reports about um, ballots coming in late weren't really that the ballots were coming in late. It was just that there were states that had certain rules about when they could be counted. And when the races were close, they, they, you, can't make a, you can't make a call about who won until uh, you have all those uh, ballots counted. So that's still going to be the case this year. Uh, state, there's going to be some states, some races, we don't know the outcome on election night, um, either because there's ballots to be counted or in states like Georgia, many states in the South, you have to have a majority of votes, not just a plurality. So if there's a third candidate in the race and they're close, uh, we may have to have runoff elections uh, in some of those races in the South. The one thing that continues to be a problem, though, is getting people to vote. According to MIT Election Data and Science Lab, in any given election, between 35 and 60 percent of eligible voters don't cast the ballot. Last year, while it wasn't a governor or primary race, 20 to 22 percent of voters across Chicagoland turned out, according to ABC7. Even though the state of Illinois law grants eligible employees up to two hours of paid leave for the purpose of voting in a general or special election within the state of Illinois, if their working hours on Election Day begins less than two hours after polls open and ends less than two hours before polls close, sometimes that just isn't enough. And according to the Illinois Policy Organization, the real voter suppression tactic in Illinois is the lack of choice, stating that Illinois politicians built a machine to discourage competition and protect incumbents. Recently, the redistricting of the congressional map after data collected from the 2020 census showed a decrease in population size. Illinois has now lost a congressional seat going from 18 to 17. This led our governor, J.B. Pritzker, to revise the Illinois Voting Act of 2011, which was signed into law by former Governor Pat Quinn and ensures redistricting plans are crafted in a way that preserves clusters of minority voters if they are of size to exert collective electoral power. We asked Professor Caliendo about how some of these barricades have been reduced. I'll answer it differently today than I would have answered it if you asked me it three years ago, uh, because I would I would have said then it's a twofold problem. It's a problem of attitudes and and um, what, what what political scientists call efficacy, which is the belief uh, that what what we do can have an impact, can have a difference, can make a difference in government. Uh, it's a combination of that and barriers to voter participation. And the reason I say I'd, I'd, I'd answer this differently today is a lot of those barriers have really been reduced in many, many states, states like Illinois. Um, you know, when Illinois instituted early voting, I think it helped a lot. 
Uh, that is that you had two weeks to vote. You could vote on the weekend, uh, right? It didn't have to be a weekday. I mean, we're the only one of the only Western democracies who have voting on one day on a weekday. Uh, that's not a national holiday. Uh, we make it very difficult for people to get to the polls. Early voting helped that, and, and certainly vote by mail has really helped that. People can vote whenever they, you know, they request their ballot, and they you know, have several weeks to get it in. That changes, of course, the way candidates campaign because they can't have the same timeline that they used to in terms of planning a campaign leading up to a particular day. He also says, though, sometimes pesky ads do have an impact on voters and the general public on who's running for office. What do they stand for? Do you currently feel represented if they're running for re-election? Why or why not? There's a lot of critical analysis that goes into voting, Caliendo says. You know, there's ads that are running now. Uh, you see them on TV. You may have already voted. That ad's not going to have any effect on you, but they still have to pay for it, et cetera. So um, I think that matters. But the thing that hasn't changed is the attitude part uh, and the efficacy part. If people don't feel like casting a ballot's going to make a difference, or if they feel like they've been voting all their lives and their lives still haven't gotten better, people like them, um, in their, in their, they haven't improved their lot in life, um, it's difficult to, uh, to keep doing it. You really have to have a deep sense of civic engagement, a belief that people fought and died for that right, uh, to go in there and pull that lever every year, even though you feel like what you're doing isn't resulting in the kind of change that you hope to see. Um, and so that's a difficult thing for for uh, candidates. It's a difficult thing for for government professors and uh, and uh, civics teachers in high school uh, to instill in young people in particular. Uh, one thing we know about voting is that it's habitual. Uh, people who vote tend to vote uh, over and over again. Um, people who don't vote, uh, it takes something really dramatic to get them to the polls. Uh, we saw an increase, for instance, in 2008 in the presidential election because people were excited uh, to vote for what they thought would be the first black president of the United States. And of course, it turned out to, to be the case. Um, but, but really, we can predict well if people will vote based on whether they voted in the past. And so if you fall in or out of those habits, uh, that's, it's going to have a lot to say about whether or not you're going to show up this year. With loads of discourse that came from the last handful of years from past elections, many are weary about running to the polls. Will their voices truly be heard? Well, for local elections, it's one of the most important times to check off the boxes on the ballot sheet to work on improving your community. When you vote in a presidential election, it really doesn't matter all that much, right? I mean, it doesn't matter. if you vote in Illinois, Illinois is going to go for the Democratic candidate every single time, right? And so it doesn't really matter whether you vote or don't vote in that. Uh, because of the way the Electoral College is structured, it's not going to affect the outcome of the election so much. I'm not trying to discourage people from voting in presidential elections, but just the reality is uh, it's a very different kind of system. Whereas your local elections, every vote matters. Every vote counts. Now, it's true uh, that most uh, contests are not decided by one or two votes, and so that you might argue my one particular vote isn't going to tip the balance of the election. And that's probably true. Um, but if everybody thought like that, of course, <laughs> and we're talking about thousands and thousands or hundreds of thousands of votes. So um, it is important to, to vote locally. You're, you're, uh, most of the policies that affect our day-to-day -day life are not federal government policies. They're local policies. It is true, though, that uh, states are not allowed to have laws that conflict with federal law. Uh, I say that with an asterisk now, of course, because we have uh, legalized cannabis in so many states and it's still against the law at the federal government level. But for the most part, you're not allowed to do that. Um, and so the federal government does matter very much. It also, um, you know, local government doesn't have anything to do with foreign policy, for instance, or, for, or you know, international trade. So there's some big issues that will have an effect on our life that happen at the national level. But you're very right to remind folks uh, that so much of, of what we're going to be doing 
uh, when we go to the ballot on Tuesday or whether we, we mail those ballots in or go vote early um, is really what's, what's going to affect um, things at the local level. And those local elections matter. I think the difficult, if I'm honest, just as a, a political, I have a PhD in political science, but I have trouble at the end of the ballot. All those judges, I don't know them, you know what I mean? And so I got to go online on Ballotopia or the American Bar Association's website and, and do a little bit of research to find out, you know, about these folks, because these are not people that I'm paying attention to on a regular basis. Um, and so, you know, I, I think there's, there, there tends to be some voter fatigue sometimes. You vote for those first couple of races. And then there's a lot of races, you know, at least certainly in my neighborhood, I live downtown Chicago, um, that there's only one person running. <laughs> so there's not a lot to be thinking about in those. And then you get to the judges and, and you scratch your head. So uh, folks should should go into the ballot booth uh, as prepared as they can. You can get sample ballots online on the on the election uh, on the election board website. One of the most important races this year is the Illinois governor race between Democrat Governor J.B. Pritzker and Republican Senator Darren Bailey. The governor's race, that is, that'd be the second one on your ballot, um, is the one that's close. And of course, it has a big implication, a really significant implication for how things will go. The Democrats will control both houses of the Illinois uh, legislature for sure. Uh, but who the governor is matters. So we've had Republican governors very recently, right? Uh, and governor Rauner. Um, we've had Democratic governors as we do now. And so it makes a difference. Uh, so that one's important. Former President Barack Obama endorsed Pritzker and credits him for making Illinois a national leader on key issues like abortion rights, voting rights, and the minimum wage increase. According to Politico, former President Donald Trump endorsed state Senator Darren Bailey, stating, quote, he is the man to take on and defeat Governor J.B. Pritzker, unquote. I think Darren Bailey has a tough road uh, not just because he wasn't as known as as an incumbent governor, which you would expect from any challenger, but also because he, um, you know, he said some very, <laughs> some very colorful things about the city of Chicago, uh, where, you know, the vast majority of the population in the state of Illinois uh, is centered. And, um, you know, it's going to be difficult for him if he doesn't do well in the suburbs in particular of Chicago uh, to 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 win the race. Caliendo points out that some of the main issues facing Illinois right now also affects those nationally. The main issues in Illinois don't differ that much from the main issues nationwide. People are concerned about the economy, inflation in particular, um, gas prices, but also a pending recession. Uh, you know, given where unemployment numbers are very low right now, uh, but inflation is high, I think a lot of economists are predicting we'll have at least a mild recession. And how's that going to matter? How will it be handled? Taxes are always an issue uh, everywhere, whether we're talking about property taxes or income taxes, uh, just revenue into the state. Um, you know, with respect to the pension system and, and just uh, state debt, bond ratings, um, all those things matter. I, I think what's really interesting about the Illinois governor's race uh, this year is that um, you, you have that a, a typical kind of ideological conflict about what government's role in our lives should be. Um, and wh that's whether we're talking about uh, the abortion question, which has been you know front and center since the springtime when the Supreme Court made its ruling in Dobbs that overturned Roe versus Wade, or whether we're talking about um, crime and the uh, the Safety Act, for instance, and um, and how um, how equitable our system of justice is. Bye. 
worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This election cycle, Illinoisans get the opportunity to vote on the Workers' Rights Amendment, which, according to Crane Chicago Business, breaks down that the proposed amendment to the Illinois Constitution would codify as law the rights of workers to unionize and engage in collective bargaining. With lots of recent news of unionizing within Illinois, especially among fast food workers, like we covered in a previous Courier Pigeon episode a few months back, there's a lot of questions still about what this amendment could look like if passed. To help us understand more about the amendment and what it takes to pass it, we spoke with Joe Bowen, Communications Director for the Vote Yes for Workers' Right campaign. So to pass a state constitutional amendment here in Illinois, uh, you need to get 60% of the vote on that question. So when voters go at the very top of their ballot, there will be a proposed amendment to the Illinois Constitution. We need to get 60% uh, to vote yes. The second way that it can pass is if for some reason we fell below that 60% level, if we uh, received enough yes votes that it made up 50% plus one of everyone who votes in the election, it will still pass. So in the event that fewer people voted on the constitutional amendment than in the race for governor, that's why that provision exists. Bowen says it's about time we make some changes to workers' rights. Making sure that we can guarantee and protect your right to organize and to go to the table to negotiate for higher wages is critically important for Illinois workers. It's the number one thing that we can do to make sure that corporations can stop these abusive practices. And it's just really critically important that we shore up these rights here in Illinois. Uh, because when you look at federal labor policy, most of it was written in the 1930s. It hasn't been updated since the 1970s. I think we can all agree that in the last 50 years, work, industry, technology, life itself has changed a lot. And I think it's a little ridiculous that we haven't done more to uh, update those rights for workers here in Illinois. The Workers' Rights Amendment doesn't just affect working families. It also helps put money back into the community and into small businesses, creating a huge economic impact. We want to put more money in the pockets of working families. Uh, in Illinois, if you're a union worker, you are on average making $11,000 more per year than a worker in a state that doesn't protect workers' rights. That's a tremendous amount of money for any working family. And we know that when working families do better, they don't just keep that money for themselves. They'll take their family out to dinner at a local restaurant. Uh, they'll pick up a cup of coffee on the way to work from a local shop. They'll take their kids to see a movie on the weekend. And that spending isn't just good for those families and those small businesses. It's good for our entire state. Um, you also have the effect of a, a union member in Illinois being almost 10% more likely to own their own home. Uh, so union workers tend to contribute a lot more, uh, and that's a tremendous upside for public budgets. And, um, you know, the Illinois Economic Policy Institute has done 
uh, some really great studies into how big that economic impact is. And it's tremendous for communities across the state. Bowen believes we can learn from other states like New York, Hawaii, and Missouri that have collective bargaining protections. I think the most important thing that we can learn from that is that states as different as Hawaii and Missouri can still find a place where they agree. And it's that workers deserve to have these fundamental rights. Um, A few years ago, a Republican governor in Missouri tried to add right to work to that state constitution. And more than 70% of the voters who showed up in the referendum election said, absolutely not. We believe in our rights in the workplace. And that's really a testament to the fact that workers' rights are not a political issue. Uh, These are kitchen table economic issues that have a huge impact on the working lives of millions of Illinoisans. And I think that when you see states as different as Hawaii and Missouri finding a place where they can agree on workers' rights, that's a pretty powerful statement about how important they are to all Americans and all Illinoisans. Here's Professor Caliendo again, who says we should start valuing workers more. Companies often get ranked on how family friendly they are. So, and and that often means like having daycare facilities available at the company, right? But those daycare facilities are almost, not always, but almost always um, designed for the executives. And they're there because they don't want the executives to leave to go somewhere else. Um, And so if if the landscapers cannot bring their children to that daycare center, or if the the folks in the janitorial staff can't bring their children to that daycare center, um, there's a very big difference in terms of uh, how worker friendly that particular company is, even though it might look like it from some other uh, measure. And so I think, you know, keeping um, workers in mind has uh, has been a difficult thing over the last 30 years because so so oftentimes they feel invisible to us. I think the pandemic changed that a lot. Um, when we, we were also scared to go outside and we know that a lot of folks uh, didn't have a choice. Uh, they needed to go to work, not just to have an income, but, but they had the kind of jobs uh, where society would just crumble if they weren't there. And so my hope is uh, that people are thinking about, you know, what are often invisible laborers uh, much more meaningfully as we move forward. One field of work that is consistently mentioned when people discuss higher wages and better benefits is education. According to CBS News, in the U.S., more than half of all teachers, about 67 percent, say they have or have had a second job to make ends meet in a 2020 Voices of the Classroom survey for educators. Illinois Education Association President Kathy Griffin says the Workers' Rights Amendment would be a great addition to some of the amazing strides they're already making. In many um, areas of our state, our educators are not paid for the work that they do, um, to the extent we believe that they should be paid. We have not only excellent teachers, we have excellent education support professionals. And those education support professionals often have to work multiple jobs in order to make ends meet. Those are the secretaries, the paraprofessionals, the bus drivers, the cooks, um, the people, the paraprofessionals that are infused into our classroom to support us. They don't support the teacher. They support our students and they have a passion for doing that. So we should be lifting them up. I applaud the General Assembly and the governor signing the $40,000 minimum wage for our teachers. That is really important. We have to continue to do that for our our education support professionals because of the amazing work they do in schools. We know that some of our students, their best friend might be the custodian or it might be that um, cafeteria worker who they can relate to and they can talk with. 
and we need to lift them up and pay them a living wage because right now some of them are not even making $15 an hour, which is why they have to work so many different jobs. So the workers' rights amendment will continue to put into place the opportunity for those people to collectively bargain. And we are going to continue to push hard to make sure that all of our educators have the opportunity to sit down at the table, talk with their employer, and really lay out the importance of their work, making that district an amazing district for students and how they should be rewarded and paid for them. With high stakes, many along with Caliendo, hope that people get out there and exercise their civic rights to vote. We're watching debates happening, right, in the governor's races and Senate races, et cetera, across the country. Many of those, they're not trying to convince people for whom to vote at this point. People generally know who they support. The question is, are they going to come out and vote? And so you have to make people excited enough about you if you're a candidate or frustrated enough about your opponent um, to make sure to come out and cast the ballot in your favor. And so mo it's what we call mobilization. So mobilizing people who are already supporting you to get out and, and, and cast the ballot uh, is an important part of this. Uh, the public opinion polls don't matter. That's not how we elect um, leaders. So unless that public opinion turns into actual votes, um, the elections aren't going to go uh, the way folks want them to. So, you know, it, it would be, I'd be remiss as a government professor not to point out, um, please, you know, engage in the issues. Uh, voting is not the only important part of your civic duty, but it certainly is one of the important parts of it. And I hope, I hope folks go to the polls this year. Thanks for listening to this episode of WBBM Courier Pigeon, our newest podcast. Subscribe to us on the Odyssey app, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts so you don't miss an episode. WBBM Courier Pigeon is an original podcast production. It is produced, written, and edited by Lauren Brown and Lizzie Baumgartner. Reporting for this episode was done by Lauren Brown and Lizzie Baumgartner. Thanks for listening to WBBM Courier Pigeon. I'm Lizzie Baumgartner. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.